Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Coach's Corner, where we talk with coaches and other people who touch, move, inspire, and motivate people to action. Listeners will learn about coaching and the many coaching niches, and will have an opportunity to ask questions of the many wonderful coaches who are my guests. I'm Coach Andrew Poretz from Ingenuity Coaching. My mission is to help you is to help you help inspire and challenge you to dream big dreams and coach you to break through all obstacles to manifest those dreams into reality. You can visit my website at www.myfuturecoach.com and follow me on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash Coach Andrew. We want your calls, so if you're listening live and you want to call in with a question or a comment, the phone number is 646-929-2893. Again, that's 646-929-2893. We also have a live chat room right on the show page, so you shy folk, you can feel free to come on there and post your questions. My guest tonight is Susan Stackpole. Susan is something of a renaissance woman. She's a Ken Show coach, a results expert coach, a consultant, a radio host, and she's also an entertainer. She's currently working on original material for her first album. Susan hosts the weekly live radio show, Unique, Life Stirring You. She's passionate about inspiring people, especially our young folk, and helping them recognize their own brilliance. Susan, are you with me? I am here, Andrew. Thank you. You're very welcome. So, first of all, <laughs> um, there's there's so so many places I can go with you. Because I was looking at your website, and and you have so many incredible things that you do, and that you don't just do, but you do very well. Well, thank you very much, Andrew. I appreciate that. My personal mantra is go big or go home. So <laughs> I, I tend to approach everything in life with that with that attitude and uh, with a zest and a, a vigor. I, I, I like that, go big or go home. Uh, did you create that? I didn't. Uh, I actually had a friend of mine that said that once, and it, just, uh, it really inspired me. I thought, wow, there's a quotation, I believe it's by Joe Namath, in which he said, uh, if you're not going to go all of the way, then why go at all? And so, uh, and I had actually come across that quotation after my friend had said to me, go big or go home. And it just felt organic to me. It felt very natural uh, and very fitting. And that's kind of the way I've always approached anything in, in my life. Why do it if you're not going to put your heart into it? I love that. I'm writing that down. <laughs> Go big or go home. Go big or go or go home. And and there's another quotation I have come across too that talks about if you're not going to put your whole heart in it, then don't put yourself into it to begin with. And and that's that's another thing that that rings very true for me. I think a lot of times people will, and as someone who had done this in uh, earlier in my life, you know. I, I took the safe route for a while, and I realized it's not really as safe as we as we think it is. So it's you know that that mantra is certainly uh, born out of a place of experience for me. Certainly. Oh, tell me more about what you just said that it's not really as safe as we think it is. Well, you know, Andrew, I I had gone through some things in my uh, personal life, as a lot of people do. You know, my life certainly has not been you know, without challenge, and especially in my early 20s, I, I went through some personal losses and things like that, and 
I, I was always, I remember in high school, I always had people uh, say, you know, I love to write creatively and I was into music and different things like that. But when it came time to go to school, I came from a very small town in um, uh, central Pennsylvania. And uh, there just weren't a lot of people working in the creative arts. So I had trouble visualizing what the, the opportunities in that field. So when it came time for me to go to school, you know, I did a bunch of different things. And uh, I eventually settled on business because I felt that was the safe route. And I went to school for marketing, which is an excellent degree to have. But some of my other business classes, I noticed that the other individuals in the classes were very passionate about business. And I wasn't necessarily so, and there would be days where I would, you know, go in at 9 o'clock in the morning, and especially my senior year, we would have projects and different things, and sometimes I wouldn't leave, you know, school until, you know, midnight, and that's a really long day, and if you're doing something that you love and it's really where your heart is, there's a very strong sense of satisfaction, but that's not necessarily what I felt. I would get out, and, you know, it was almost dark when I would go in in the morning, and it was dark when I left at night, and I thought, wow, I just, I felt like I lost a whole day. And so it really inspired me in terms of moving forward in my life, really making choices that were near and dear to my heart because, uh, and, and this is something that, that you and I had discussed previously, but I started studying success in the last couple of years especially, and I realized that we can have all the talent in the world and we can have all the education in the world and we can have all the skills in the world, but the people time and time and time and time again who succeed are the people who really follow what they're passionate about and really take their passion and, and persevere and go after what it is that they want and take obstacles and turn those obstacles into opportunities. And so, uh, you know, like I said, for me, the mantra, go big or go home, uh, if you're not willing to go big, then maybe it's something that, and, and I don't necessarily mean going big like being famous and everyone has to know your name or being the top of your field or anything like that, but that at the end of the day when you lay your head on the pillow, to know that you gave the best of yourself to whatever okay. it is that you're doing. And I found that if, if you're not necessarily in that space, sometimes maybe that's not what you're really passionate about. So I felt like that's a good gauge, at least for myself. If I'm willing to put my all into it, then, ah, okay, this resonates with my purpose for being here. But if I'm not, then hmm, maybe I'm doing that out of fear or something like that. Yeah, the passion, the, the whole question of passion has been coming up quite a lot. It's, it's come up a lot on this show. I would say the last several people I've had on the show we've talked about the very this very area and and everyone has a different take on it for you first of all what was the shift for you what what created the shift for you to get from you were in this marketing program and you weren't too thrilled with it you were spending humongous hours well, where where did the shift come from well i guess first of all what uh when i was in my um early 20s late teens early 20s and I was getting ready to go to school. Uh, you know, my dad and mom were both really passionate about music, but I especially identified with my dad, who was a piano player. And he and my mom had separated, and he moved out to California, and that was very painful for me. And at that time, music was painful for me because it reminded me of him. Mm. And, you know, um, and so I walked away from that. I walked away from something that I was very, very passionate about, and I struggled a lot. I, str I just, it's like, it's like, cutting off your arm or something. It's denying something of yourself. And 
So more and more and more that that came up. And so when I was in the middle of my business school training, I had come across a woman who taught voice lessons and I said, well, you know, I'm kind of interested in this. You know, let's see what this is about. And I've never been so frightened <laughs> as mm-hmm. I was the first day that I went to go to voice lessons with her because she is a beautiful operatic singer. I mean, just fantastic, you know, tremendously talented. And I remember sitting out in the hall, and it was about 10 minutes before my lesson, and about 10 different times I thought about getting up and walking away. And something inside me said, no, you need to be here. Stay here. And I remember... After our first voice lesson, she's so creative and so inspiring and things like that. I went home and I was, you know, writing poetry and I was, you know, I got up that week and I started exercising again and doing different things. And it lit up this part of my spirit that had been dark for a while. And I was able to see the contrast that, like, wow, I'm going to these business classes every day. And, you know, the marketing classes I really liked, but some of the other classes, while I was really grateful to have the opportunity to be here, it just wasn't firing me up the way that I had hoped. And so that was the beginning of the awakening for me. And it slowly and surely was happening. And then I I, I said, okay, you know, I'm going to do business because that's what I'm skilled in and pursue the music on the side. And a couple of years ago, there was a, a fairly significant loss in my life that just really uh, made me reevaluate exactly what I was spending my time on and was I being true to the person that I wanted to be. And so that very significant loss, there were a lot of things that happened in a very short amount of time that turned my life upside down. And I literally uh, was in the middle of a severe depression and some other things and just got to the point where it was like, wow, I just don't even want to wake up anymore. Mm. And I remember, I remember that I came home one night and I just said, that's it. If I don't wake up tomorrow, just take care of everyone I love. I'm done. And when I woke up the next day, I was so angry because I just didn't want to deal with anything anymore. And by the end of the day, I was so humbled because I thought this is such a beautiful gift that we have, the gift of life. And here I am at a point in my life that I've made choices that have now made me so miserable that I don't want to be here. And so I just kind of surrendered my life. And I said, okay, God, uh, I'm still here. Obviously, you still want me here because I even prayed not to be here. And that would be a get out of jail free card for you. (laughs) You know, like, hey, she's praying for it. I could give that to her. And so what is my purpose? What am I meant to be here for? And it was revealed to me in a very big way that that it is my purpose to help lead other people out of the darkness. And the only way that I can lead them into light is if I've made that journey myself. So it, it was a very it was a very amazing sort of journey that I've been on. And it, it all started with this intention, with the prayer of really having a better understanding of the truth of, you know, how does the universe work and why are we here? I started asking those sorts of questions and, you know, God, source, universe, uh, however you, you, you see it, uh, just kind of spoke to me in a very big way and said, okay, here you go. Here's the plan. So that, that, that's what's gotten me to the point that I'm at now. Well, that's, that's terrific. So the, uh, the uh, the 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 woman who was your voice teacher. Yes. When you first encountered her and you went home that night and everything sort of changed for you. The 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 place in somebody's life for somebody for, for the person who really fires or not fires them up but causes that change that shift that light in them. That's pretty important, isn't it? 
it's very significant, I think, to, to pay attention to that. And especially because I didn't expect that. You know, first of all, I just was hyperventilating, thinking, oh, I'm, I didn't have a gauge of where I was musically. And, and, you know, I had had people when I was growing up who maybe weren't as supportive as I would have liked them to be in terms of my singing or different things like that. And so I internalized that. And that was not the smartest choice. But, you know, as a kid, we look to adults to tell us things. And, you know, when you have an adult that's a, you know, that's a singer or a voice teacher or something that's saying, oh, you're no good, you'll never make it or whatever, you know, we tend to take that to heart, or at least, you know, I did. And uh, so I was really nervous sitting there because my biggest fear was to go in and just have her say, oh, Susan, you're horrible, there's no hope for you, I could never coach you, but thanks for coming anyway. So, you know, I was living very much in the fear. And so um, it was very significant for me because it was a part of myself, first of all, that I was looking, I didn't know how to accept it in myself. So to walk in and have somebody else show me how to do that because she was very accepting and very nurturing and things like that just really gave me permission to start to be myself. Because, and, and I realize, and I recognize this with a lot of other people too, I think one of our biggest desires is to be accepted and be loved for who we are. And I think that we're taught at a young age that that comes from outside. But the truth is it comes from the inside, and the outside just reflects us back to ourselves. So, for instance, with the, the voice lessons, I had come to a, a part in my life where I was ready to start embracing the musical side of myself again. So I was met with the experience of someone who was also willing to embrace that side of me. So the outside was reflecting the inside. So, yes, it was a very significant turning point in my life. That also comes, what also comes to mind is that, that expression, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Absolutely, and I think that that's so true. I know that that has proven itself to me time and time and time again. I have met some very magical people uh, on my journey of self-discovery, and uh, it's absolutely amazing that uh, sometimes those people have even been in my inner circle or been in very close proximity, and it wasn't until I was ready to learn the lessons that they had to teach that I sort of became more aware of them or we connected in a different way. I'd love to hear about some of that. Is there any of that you'd really be willing to share with me? Uh, well, uh, for instance, uh, one of the, the coaches that I had worked with, um, and um, I had contacted her because I, she's, a, she's a songwriter. She's written songs with Jessica Simpson and Nick Lachey and things like that. Um, her name is Trina Harmon. Hi, Trina. And um, anyway, in case she's listening, uh, Trina just had a really profound impact on my life. And originally we had connected because I was wanting to start writing songs. And she was a, a, a coach, you know, an artist coach. And um, we worked together for a very long time. And I don't think that we, we very rarely ever did coaching sessions about music. But she had gone through some similar things in her background that I had gone through in mine, and she was is absolutely the perfect coach for me. So uh, it was amazing because originally we had connected, and, and it was it was going to be for music and songwriting and things like that. And it turned out that it, it was she had the answers to the, some of the questions uh, that I was wanting at that point in my life. And it was some very profound questions, and she really helped me rediscover parts of myself that I, I don't think that I, I would have been able to without, without her help. So uh, that, that's one example that comes to mind. Well, that's great. And, uh, you, as a 
you also coach. Yes, I do. And I noticed that you do a couple of different types of coaching. Yes. Uh, now, I can imagine what a results expert coach might be, because it's pretty clear to me. But what's a Kensho coach? Kensho is, and I love, I love to talk about this, uh, Kensho is a Japanese word for self-enlightenment. And I found that whether I was coaching someone who was retired or a teenager or a stay-at-home mom or a business person uh, wanting to transition into uh, having their own business or another career or something like that, that when I was, you know, defining my business, I was thinking, wow, what is the common thread that runs through everyone? And I, I realized that it's this idea of self-enlightenment. And I don't necessarily mean, you know, sitting under an oak tree and meditating and all of that, even though all that's great. But it's staying true to this essence that each of us have. And the more that we come to know ourselves and come to accept ourselves unconditionally, the more happy, the happier we are and the more successful we are in our lives. And so that's the idea of, of Kensho coaching is, is coming back to this understanding of yourself that, you know, I think that when we're small children, we come into this world with this excitement and this passion for life, and we're just ourselves. We're who we are. You know, we spent nine months in the womb, and Wayne Dyer talks about this a little bit, and it's, I never really thought about it until he mentioned it. When we're in the womb, you know, our, the cells that are making our fingernails know how to do that and how to make our eyelashes and our ears and our eyes and everything. They don't need to be told. But then we get into the world and our ego kind of jumps in and says, okay, God, I'll take over from here. And, and you know, we have all sorts of, you know, our parents very lovingly, you know, trying to protect us from different things and, you know, help us. Um, so all sorts of things start to happen, and we start to lose that sense of who we are and I found a lot of people who are struggling in their their lives it's this sense of wanting to reconnect with the essence of who they are so essentially that's what the Kensho coaching is is we just take a journey into rediscovering and really learning to love yourself like understanding who is this person that I wake up in the morning with and go to sleep with and I'm with 24 hours a day and how to love that person unconditionally so you typically go back to early childhood stuff in in that scenario? No, not typically. No? Um, I was just using that as an example so that people would understand how we get off the path. Um, ah. I, as as someone who I've done, you know, I've, I've worked with counselors before in terms of being counseled uh, for some things that I had gone through in my life, and I've worked with coaching. And I found the difference between the two is, is counseling is very much, okay, let's go back to when you were four years old and you wanted to have a cookie and your mom wouldn't let you have a cookie and, you know, how did that affect you and how did that make you feel? I found that for me, um, coaching, which is staying in the moment and who you are now and figuring out who you are now, I found sometimes actually going back is more confusing for people because who you were at four years old is not who you're going to be right now because you've had a lot that's happened to you since you were four years old. So the essence of who you are might have been there at four, but now you have a lot more education, you have a lot more experiences. So at four, you might have wanted to be a fireman, but, you know, at 54, maybe not so much. So, you know, it, it's, I, I like to stay very current and say, okay, where are you now and what, what, makes, what fires you up now? I'm glad to hear that because I was just thinking there's, there's not too many job opportunities for a, a tinker toy expert. 
Right. Absolutely. 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 So like I said, sometimes it offers clues in terms of, oh, you know, I've always had this love of, you know, building, you know, like, for instance, what you're saying about Tinker Toys. For instance, uh, a gentleman that I had the opportunity to speak with, um, Nathan Sawaya, is a, a, a brick artist, and he builds with Lego bricks. And he said his whole life that he, you know, worked with Legos. He went on to get his law degree, and he said at night he would come home and he would work with the Legos at night uh, as a way to release. And he started making these amazing sculptures, and he put them on a blog. And the blog was so popular, and he started getting so much interest in his work that he was able to actually quit his law profession, and now he builds Legos as uh, as his profession. He he, he wow. does these brick sculptures. And so that's, a, I guess, a really good example of in terms of not necessarily going back, but noticing if there was something, you know, at four years old you really like to play the drums and your whole life you've done it recreationally, that maybe that's a passion that's, that's calling to you. There's a gentleman, I want to say his name is Poe Bronson, but I, I, I might be mistaken on that, and, uh, and, and he wrote this book about what do I want to be, and it's filled with these stories of another gentleman who was an attorney loved to make cakes, and he would, you know, get up early in the morning, and, and when he would come home, at, you know, after work, he was just so fired up about it that he would, you know, stay up late, even if it meant being tired at work the next day. And so, you know, there are, there are clues, uh, and, and so I guess that's what the Kento coaching is, is basically helping people recognize the clues that their, their self, uh, higher self, I guess, is offering to them about who they are and their purpose for being here and really stepping into that. Because sometimes, you know, there's a lot of wisdom in our hearts, and sometimes what our hearts are telling us sounds really crazy to the logical mind. And so making peace between those two things to enable people to step into their true purpose for being here. So you're telling me that there could be help for me and my Tinker Toy career. Absolutely. You, you just never know. Oh, good. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, there's something you mentioned to me uh, earlier before the show, uh, about destiny mapping. Yes. Tell me about that. One of the things that I'm really passionate about um, and I think is, is one of the most beautiful things to witness in this life is, is someone who started with a dream and created their destiny. And I truly believe that we do create our destiny. You know, our, our, our thoughts, uh, you know, inspire our actions, which inspire the results that we get in our lives. And uh, whether we believe we can or we can't, we're right. I can't remember who said that. I think it was Henry Ford, but I'm not. Um, don't quote me on that. And uh, anyway, so this idea of destiny mapping is, you know, when you, if you would say, okay, I'm going to drive from New York to Los Angeles, uh, you wouldn't necessarily um, just jump in your car without having a GPS or a map or, or some idea of how to get from New York to you know, Los Angeles. I mean, some people might, but it would take you a long way to get there, and you might never get there. You know, you might start driving down the coast and end up, you know, in the Keys or something as opposed to ending up in Los Angeles. So this idea of destiny and success it's, it's, it's that idea where we sit down and we say, okay, what is it that you want? And we, we have this idea, and so we actually create a map on how to build your destiny. Because what happens is a lot of people will say, oh, I, I want to write a book. Well, when you think about writing a book, for some people that's very, very overwhelming. Like, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, 200 pages or 300 pages, and how would I ever do it, and where will I ever find the time? And, and all these things come into their head, and, 
you know, socially speaking, there's a lot of conditioning in our society to focus on the things we don't want and, and all the reasons why we can't have the things that we want instead of figuring out a way to have them. And so the destiny mapping is just a way of staying on point and continuing to focus on all the ways you can have what you want. And so we sit down and literally create a plan from getting from point A to point B to point C and mapping the steps along the way so that they're easy, so that it doesn't feel like this big overwhelming thing, and so that people can begin to see the possibility that it is possible for them to have what it is that they want, even if it seems really overwhelming from where they stand right now. So you map it out, you break it down into into bites that people can really, I hate to say sink their teeth into, but that people can really uh, get behind and really understand and and then and then make it happen. Right, absolutely. Like the book, I, the the book idea that a lot of people say, "Oh, I want to write a book." Oh, okay, great. Do you know what you want to write your book about? No, I don't have an idea. So then we start there and we break it down absolutely into manageable steps. That that you know, every everything we do, you know, if you think about it, every day we take little steps towards something. It's just a lot of times when people are working for other people, they don't necessarily look at it that way. They go in and, okay, this is what I need to get done today. And so they already know how to do that. But sometimes just left on their own, they don't know how to prioritize. And so basically that's what it is, is just teaching them how to create what it is that they want in their life and to do it in such a way that they can actually see it happening for themselves. Excellent. And tell me about um, understanding beliefs. Oh, this is one of my favorite topics, Andrew, because it's so powerful, and it really is at the crux of having what we want. Uh, A lot of times what happens is people will say, oh, I want the, you know, I want the fancy car, and I want the big house, and I want the amazing relationship, and I want the fantastic career, and I want to go on vacation in the Caribbean, and that's very much in their conscious mind, but in their subconscious mind, that's not necessarily the case. And there's a really, really amazing author and speaker. His name is Bruce Lipton. He has a book called The Biology of Belief. I encourage anyone who's listening to look into that book because he, he explains beliefs really, really well. And basically, he was a stem cell biologist, and he talks about the fact that he did this research that he put stem cells in three different Petri dishes, same, same source for the stem cells. And he noticed in one Petri dish it developed bone, in one Petri dish it developed muscle, and in one Petri dish it developed fat. And the only difference between the situations were the Petri dishes. And he said basically what we are is big skin, skin-covered Petri dishes. So, that sounds horrible. <laughs> wow. I mean, it's, it's really amazing because our thoughts create our beliefs. And I know that that sounds really simple, But what happens is a lot of times we will have beliefs that we don't even recognize, and it's in our subconscious mind. And the way that he described it, which I thought was really brilliant, is if you're driving in the car and you have a passenger with you, and you're driving and you're having a conversation, and you're very focused on what that person is saying. Um, And this is for people who have been driving for years, not necessarily a a 15- or 16-year-old who is studying to get their permit, but someone who, you know, you have a lot of driving experience. 
and you're driving down the road and you get to your destination and that person says, wow, did you notice that there was, you know, um, a, a bookstore back there? Or did you notice that, you know, there were some cows in the field or whatever it is? And you said, oh, no, I didn't notice that. The reason is it's because your subconscious mind was driving the car and your conscious mind was paying attention to the conversation. And what happens in our lives is our subconscious mind controls about 95% of things. So when we have a belief that gets in there, that's, what, that's what's controlling the car, which if you have a great belief, well, you're going to get some great results. And um, one of the examples, and Tony Robbins gives this in his workshop, is that he says, okay, close your eyes, or look around the room and notice everything that's brown in the room. And he gives you about a minute to do it. And he says, okay, do you, got, do you have it? And he has everyone close their eyes. And once they close their eyes, he says, okay, tell me what was red in the room. And everyone's like, wait, that's not a fair question. You told us to look for brown, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's essentially how our beliefs work. We look for the ability to confirm our beliefs. And a lot of times what happens is it starts in our, our childhood. Uh, you know, for instance, that, you know, if, if people grow up and maybe they didn't have a lot of money and there was somebody in the neighborhood who had a lot of money that wasn't very nice to them, you know, they look and they say, oh, you know, rich people are really mean. And that's the way that they go through life. And secretly, they have a desire to really be wealthy and take care of their family and things like that. Well, it's counterintuitive because part of them is, is, is wanting that, but then the other part of them is looking and saying, well, rich people are horrible. Well, if you feel that they're horrible, then why would you ever want to be something like that? So there's an incongruency. Right. And so it, it's really – and the thing about beliefs is that they're so ingrained sometimes as we think that they're true. And that, that becomes, I feel like it becomes very dangerous because it's not necessarily true. It's, it, we believe it's true, and there's a big difference. So how, what is it that you do then with someone to, to look at what they believe and to, to identify that and to make changes? Well, I guess um, in the category of being candid and offering myself up as a, as a test subject here, uh, I'll share my experience, and, and this has inspired how I work with other people. I, I began looking at my own life to say, okay, what, what kind of results w was I getting? And one of the things I noticed is that I had a tendency to self-sabotage, and I started looking that, at that and saying, well, why? why? And I realized that um, when I would have something good that would happen, um, I was very conditioned early on in my young life to believe that if anything is too good to be true, it usually is, and if anything good, you know, comes, that it's only a matter of time before that falls apart. And I realized in my adult life that any time something good would happen, that belief in me was so strong that if nothing was coming along to destroy or harm whatever that was, I would come in and sabotage it. And that was a very powerful revelation for me. And so once I realized that, I was able to stop in the moment when I had something going on and notice my thoughts around it. So that's one of the key things that I work on people with is saying, okay, what is it that you would like to have and what is it that you're having now? And we start to talk about what is your experience and how do you feel when this happens and what do you notice about your thoughts when this happens? And little by little, we whittle it down and figure out, oh, this is the belief that I have about this. Because once you recognize a belief, you can shift it. And that's the key is slowing the thoughts down enough to be able to recognize that belief and say, oh, wow. It, it, you know, it's, it's a very big aha moment. Yeah, it's kind of like a eureka. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Nice. So, so where, where did you learn how to do all this cool stuff, Susan? Uh, you know, it, Andrew, I guess the answer to that is I always have been fascinated by it, I guess, going back to my childhood, that it just is intrinsic to who I am. Uh, the things that I was talking about a lot on this program have come, especially the last couple years, and I, I will say that for me it came as an answer to a prayer, that a couple years ago I really prayed to have a, a stronger relationship um, with God, and then I prayed that, you know, there's a lot of religion out there and there's a lot of people who, you know, claim to be experts with the solutions and things like that. And one night I said a prayer that I would really like for, you know, God to come into my heart and bring the truth, and not truth with the small t, but truth with the capital T, like the truth that that he knows it to be, that, that I would like to know, you know, and to be able to see the world through his eyes. Uh, I have a friend of mine that always says that when you pray, be careful because he answers it with a twist. And after I prayed that prayer, and it wasn't even so much as a, a prayer as it was kind of an intention or an ideal, like, wow, that would be really neat to be able to see the world. Like, how does God see us? Because, you know, in terms of loving ourselves and things like that, you know, God loves us unconditionally, but yet we put so many conditions on ourselves and others. And so I just wanted to really move past that and move into a more sort of sacred space with myself and other people. And wow, uh, that prayer was definitely heard and answered, and it just was one thing after another after another. And at the same time I was praying, um, when I had gone through that very difficult time, I said, okay, you obviously still want me here. What is my purpose? Why am I here? And he revealed that to me in a very big way in terms of seeing the inner light that's in people. And so for me, part of my purpose for being here is really helping people recognize the divine light that's shining within them and help, that shine, and help them shine that into the world. That we all have these dreams, and um, a lot of times those come right from God, and we don't necessarily recognize that that's direct from the universe. And, you know, we kind of put them in our hearts and tuck them away, and, you know, our own fear gets in the way or, or you know, whatever life gets in the way or, or whatever. And so uh, it, it basically just started as a desire in my heart to say, this is what I want for my life. Mm. So how do you typically work with people uh, it, that you've, that you coach? Well, it just, I, I have a very individual approach with everyone that I coach. It depends on what type of results that they're looking for. You know, sometimes I'll, I'll work with an artist who is maybe insecure about their talent or not knowing how to promote themselves, and so we'll work on that. Or I've had mothers who now all of a sudden, you know, within the course of, you know, three or four years have gone from, you know, being engaged to their husband and now they have two or three kids and, wow, life looks a lot different on the other side and what do they want for their lives now. I do some youth mentoring, uh, you know, which is a completely different approach, working with a teenager as opposed to working with an adult. So it just all depends on what that particular person, what they're looking for their end result to be. So you work, uh, but you work primarily uh, in a one-on-one -on -one situation? I actually, I know there's a lot of people who do group coaching, but mm -hmm. I prefer very much a one-on-one -on -one situation. I'm a little bit intuitive and empathic, which means I pick up on people's energy, and um, sometimes I can pick up on things without people even telling me. And so it's much easier for me to do that in a one-on-one -on -one, uh, session as opposed to a group um, a group session. The only group work I typically am doing right now is if someone wants to have me come in as a motivational speaker, I'll do that. Got it. 
Yeah, I've per- I personally have not yet done any any group coaching. I know that there's a lot of that out there. I have I have no idea how it works. I know some of my coaching colleagues do it, and I found that uh, in talking to them, I think the key to success is making sure that you very clearly define what the group is about and you have very clearly defined steps as to what you're doing from week to week to make sure that you're attracting a similar type, you know, people who are seeking the similar results to, to that group coaching. And that might be a very interesting way to go. I know that I've, I've read a lot about it. I've, I've not experienced it myself. Uh, I don't know that I've ever participated in group coaching either, um, other than, you know, any sort of uh, self-improvement seminars or whatnot, but in terms of group coaching. And quite honestly, uh, it's not something that resonates, it's not something that resonates with me. You know, for me, I feel like if I'm paying for coaching, that I really value the one-on-one experience. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. I'm just I definitely am open to uh, looking into it, but it's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to ask you that something you mentioned to me when we spoke before uh, about the difference between uh, education and strategy versus passion and perseverance. Yes. Uh, I, well, I mean. Andrew, you and I talked about this a little bit before the broadcast, and, you know, one of the big challenges for me in my life, uh, the I guess the coaching side of things kind of comes naturally to me because my whole life I've done that. I remember being in, you know, third or fourth grade, and the underdog of the class would come to me and say, well, you know, these people are teasing me, and what do I do? And I'm thinking, why is this person, you know, coming and asking me? How do I know? I'm not very popular. Why are they, you know, why not ask one of the popular kids in the class? And I just realized that was a common theme throughout my life. And when I started talking with other uh, healers and teachers and spiritual guides and things like that, they said, well, that's because you have a calling for that. Uh, so that's great. But from an artistic side of things with music, uh, you know, there were a lot of things that, that came up. You know, both my, my mom sings and my dad, uh, a jazz pianist and things like that. And so music was, was kind of always the currency or the language that was spoken in my home. And there was a very big attachment that I had to being musically proficient and my self-worth. And, uh, that was it took me a long time to reconcile, and that's something you know quite honestly that that I still work on all the time and I started studying success because because of that, and I wanted to see what really made people successful, and especially in my work you know with Trina, you know one of the things that she said, if you notice some of the people who have succeeded in the music business, they're not always necessarily the people who can play their instrument the best or sing the best or whatever but they certainly do have a passion for it. And so that really furthered my inspiration, really understanding. And, you know, people like Walt Disney or Thomas Edison or Nelson Mandela or I look at Barack Obama. I guess he would be the most current example and an awesome, uh, an awesome example of this. He just had the belief. He had the belief, yes, we can. And more than education, more than talent, why him? You know, why, why not some other person? Why did he end up in the White House? And I truly believe it because of the passion and the perseverance. And so I, I challenge, really, uh, any of the listeners to go out and look at somebody who's really succeeded. And if you weed it down to the two factors that have helped them the most, it's going to be passion and perseverance. It's not necessarily always education. It's that 
it's that burning desire. You know, the same, you know, when they talk about if a, if a baby is trapped under a car that, you know, mothers somehow gain this super, superhuman strength of, you know, being able to lift a, a car off of their baby. That's, that's the perfect example of when we have something that we're really passionate about, that we really, really want more than anything, we're willing to do anything to get it. And they always say, you know, the difference, and I didn't really understand this until very recently, that the difference between winners and losers is that winners are willing to do things that losers aren't. And what that means is how passionate are you about your goal? Because it's really easy to say, oh, I want this, but sometimes we want it if it's easy. Or sometimes we want it because we want the feeling that we, are, that we associate with. And uh, I'll segue into that because that's something really important that I, that I teach that a lot of people, it's kind of an aha moment for them. And I actually learned it from Martha Beck. And she has this example of think of two or three things that you really, really want in your life. If you had these things, you would be set and just the rest of your life would be made. And whether it's to, you know, be, a, you know, super successful at whatever you do, to have, you know, a million dollars in the bank, whatever. And so you think about that for a minute. And then what you do, and so, you know, Andrew, just for the sake of conversation, do you have anything like that that comes to mind? Maybe one or two examples of something that if that happened in your life, you would feel like, wow, my life is made. Oh, well, I mean, I, certainly the financial, some windfall would be would be something that okay. would certainly come to my mind. Super. Now, when you think about that, could you would you mind sharing with me some of the feelings that you have that come with that? The feelings that come with the idea of a financial windfall? Right. That if I said to you, wow, Andrew, you know, that I, you know, that someone called me today and they said that they just want to give you a million dollars. Explain to me some of the feelings that you have that come up when I say that to you. Um, exhilaration. I would certainly feel pretty excited about it. I might be a little... Uh, um, it might be a feeling of, now what do I do with that? How do I, uh, how do I handle that? You know, what's okay. the, where... where Probably the first thing I I would do would well honestly would be to find a financial advisor. Uh, It it would surely change where am I living right now or what am I wearing. Right, absolutely. And I would imagine too, there's probably some feelings of safety and security and opportunity that come with that. Oh well, sure. I mean, I I, I'm going through in my mind what where, where would I start going and and. Safety, there would be the feeling of, well, I I don't have to worry. Right. I don't have to think. I have to do something right now in, in order to uh, put food on the table. Right, absolutely. I can, I can come from, this is what I want to do, whether I get paid or not. That would That's where that would lead to. Right, absolutely. And that kind of leads into the next thing is that most, things or goals or whatever that we have in our lives, we don't want the actual thing. We want the feeling that comes mm-hmm. with that, whether it's happiness or success or feeling worthy or feeling loved or whatever. And the key is that when we go back to talking about passion and perseverance, the people who have been passionate, the people who persevere, they're able to tap into that feeling that they just so strongly desire that end result and they can see it and they can taste it and they can feel it 
that that just pulls them through. And if you look throughout history at people who have succeeded, yes, there are some people that have been blessed with an amazing talent, but there are also some people that have, you know, really busted tail. For instance, you know, Michael Jordan, uh, you know, that if you look at his history, he was actually, you know, let go or you know, demoted in his, his high school basketball team, and that just made him work even harder. Uh, I have a girlfriend of mine that actually uh, plays keyboard with Stevie Wonder, and she has a really amazing story that she had auditioned for Beyonce about six months prior to her audition with Stevie Wonder, and she didn't make it. She didn't even get a call back, and it was devastating for her because she just so wanted this more than anything. And I've never met somebody who practices more in my entire life of her own autonomy, meaning that she just will set these amazing practices. Okay, I want to practice like 900 hours this week or, you know, not that ridiculous. But And so she let herself grieve for about a week that she didn't get this opportunity. She said, I'm just going to let it make me better. And she went back and she just, you know, practiced her little buns off. And the opportunity for Stevie Wonder came and she auditioned, I think she said, with 10 other keyboardists. That's a lot. And they auditioned for three days nonstop. And when it all came down at the end, she got it. And I think that, you know, we talked about it. And she said that when she went through the experience that she did with Beyonce, she could really, really taste it. And it made her realize how much that she wanted it. And so she was willing to work that much harder for it. So there's a lot to be said for that to get into that place of being able to feel the feeling and taste what it would be and really understand why it is that we want it because we don't ever want the thing. Things are just things. The, we attach meaning to things, and that's mm-hmm. why they have meaning, but a book is just a book. An award is just a, you know, a piece of plastic or a piece of glass with someone's name on it, but it's the meaning that we attach to those things. And so the passion and perseverance, I think that in that respect, those are the people who really tap into that. And don't get me wrong, education is fantastic. Strategy is, is very important. Skill set is very important, but the two main factors, if you look at anybody who's been successful across the board, top to bottom, it's passion and perseverance. Absolutely. I, I could not agree more. All sorts of people are, are running through my head right now. You know, one of my, my favorite singer of all time is Sinatra, by the way. And, you know, if you look at, a, if you look at his career, when he first started out, and he was... He was a guy who was a scrawny little guy from New Jersey. He didn't have uh, the obvious things that most people might have to get into the music business, but what he had was such a strong desire to not just get into the music business, but to be on top. I'm going to be bigger than Crosby. That was his, his driving idea. And then he did everything that you could imagine. In the early days, I mean, those of us who, who, who followed his career, you know the hit records, you know the movies, you know the concerts. You might not have known the working as a waiter and singing that he did, and doing anything to be on the radio, and going all over the place on the, on the ferry. You know, he had very little money to speak of, but he really was so determined that nothing could stop him. Right, and I think that that's an excellent. I think that that's an excellent example. And um, Andrew, you and I were talking about, you know, before the the show a little bit about, you know, Taylor Swift, who, mm-hmm. you know, um, honestly, you know, when she started out, that she wasn't necessarily like the top singer where people would look and be like, oh wow, she has an amazing voice. 
But she just decided, you know, when she was 11 years old, 12 years old, she said, I'm going to be a Nashville star. Like, just like that, you know, kind of like when little kids are in kindergarten and they just decide, okay, we're going to be best friends. We are? Okay. <laughs> you know, and she just always had that vision. And she talked about actually walking away from RCA, that she had a deal with them where they were going to watch her for a year and see what her progress was. And at the end of that year, they said to her, well, we'd like to watch you until you're 18 and then make a decision. And she said, no, thank you. You know, and last night she just walked away with four, four awards at the CMA Awards. At 19, she won Entertainer of the Year and up against some of the biggest names in country music, and she walked away with Entertainer of the Year. And so, you know, it goes along with what you're saying about Frank Sinatra. And, you know, I think that, I think that sometimes, I think sometimes even for myself we can complicate things. And I think sometimes it comes down to a matter of really believing in yourself. And I think sometimes that's one of the most difficult things because, uh, you know, when we're, when we're little, our parents try to protect us. And they show us, oh, don't touch the stove, you'll get burned, and don't run out into the street, you're going to get hit by a car, and what if this happens, and what if this happens? And it's, it comes from a place of love, but at the same time, what happens is that sometimes in our adult life, we, we shift into that, well, you know, what if I try to do this and I fail, and, and what if people, you know, laugh at me, and what if this and what if this? And so one of the things that, that I do that's been really, really helpful is I have a, a fear to love list that I make. And uh, in a notebook, what I'll do, if it's something that I'm really having a difficult time and I'm really engaged in the fear of it, I'll write down on the left side of the piece of paper that I'm afraid of, of this, whatever it is. You know, for instance, we talked about music that, you know, I'm afraid of, let's say, forgetting the words. Say I have a performance. I'm afraid of forgetting the words. So then what I do on the right side of the paper is I reconnect with what I love. I love singing music that inspires people, and I love giving a great performance that, you know, inspires them and, and things like that. And I found that that's a really helpful tool. And one of the things when we were talking about passion and perseverance that's the other thing I noticed is the people who are very passionate, all they're focused on is I love it and how do I get to do it. They don't sit there and make a list of, well, this is all the reasons why it's not going to work out and these are all the opportunities that I'm not going to have or these are all the people who didn't, you know, look at me or whatever. You know, like you were saying about Frank Sinatra, he just kept going and kept going and kept going. And, you know, we were talking about Tony Robbins a little bit earlier. You know, it was amazing the story of Tony Robbins when he first started speaking. He was just so determined. And, it's like, you know, he just booked a speaking gig every day. And he was like a freight train. He was just unstoppable. And I think sometimes... That's the key, and it's not always easy for people to find that drive within themselves. And one of the things that I've learned to ask myself, and depending on the coaching situation, uh, I'll ask people, well, how badly do you really want it? Because we can sit and say, oh, I really, really want to do this. I really, really want to do this. Well, you know, everything comes with a price. And so if we really, really want it, then we're really going to be taking steps towards having it. But if we're not willing to take those steps, then maybe we want a feeling that we associate with it, but maybe there's something else that's a better fit for us to gain those feelings to have that experience. Maybe what we're looking at, we want it because of the feelings we associate with it, and maybe there's a different way to go about having that experience. Yeah, like somebody who just wants the title, but they don't necessarily want to work for it. Right, absolutely. Like they the want significance the business card. Or recognized. The... Right, that's an excellent example, Andrew. I have a business card. Look who I am. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and I think that, you know, a lot of times I think some of the most challenging things are, you know, depending on your background, depending on where you come from, is having confidence in ourselves. 
you know, that, that we're in a world where we do want to be accepted for, by other people and we do want to be recognized by other people. And I know for myself, uh, you know, I, I came from a bit of a dysfunctional background. And, you know, as an adult, it took me a while to learn what it meant to, at the end of the day, when I look in the mirror, regardless of what anybody else thinks, to be proud of myself and to make choices for me. Because I think that, you know, we all want to take other people's feelings into consideration and we all want people to like us, but there's ways to do that and still stay true to yourself in the process. Right. You know, I was thinking before we were talking about the Country Music Awards, uh, I'm sure you know who Tim McGraw is. Right. you know who his father was? I have no, I, I don't think that I do. Well, I'm going to tell you. Uh, Tim McGraw's father was Tug McGraw, who was um, a, a pitcher for the uh, the New York Mets back in the 70s. And when the Mets went to the World Series, and they were they were they were playing in the uh, in the playoffs, and they, it, it had been a very challenging and amazing, ridiculous, crazy year for the Mets, and and um, you know that they were, by the way, known as the Amazing Mets. They still are. Uh, that's their their nickname. But Tug McGraw was. He had his mantra was "You gotta believe," kind of like uh, President Obama's "Yes, we can." But his was "You gotta believe." And when people were going out, you know, I don't know, you gotta believe. And that was his. He yeah. was just yelling at it and screaming it until he got everybody was "You gotta believe." And that was that was the the Mets, and and you can, this is Tim McGraw's dad, you know, um, and I remember that so well. It was so powerful, and he was so committed to that belief that the Mets were able to pull it off when they won. But I, I mean, I think that's an excellent example. And going back to you know President Obama, I think that that was a big thing. That yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. You know, it's it's that that absolutely like what you said. You know, you gotta believe. And I think there's a lot, a lot, a lot of power in that. And I think that, like I said, I think that's one of the biggest challenges in this life is to know yourself, and kind of as Shakespeare put it, to thine own self be true. You know, that it's very easily said, but you know. That, that sometimes I think we get more interested in being accepted by others instead of, you know, and we react. We live our lives reacting to what others are doing as opposed to kind of setting the bar ourselves and just saying, okay, this is who I'm going to be and this is what I'm going to do. And, you know, and, and one of the things, um, the other thing is that sometimes we tend to look at the results we have in our life right now. And the interesting thing is whatever results we have right now are are from yesterday, are from what we did yesterday or the day before or the day before that. And, and so to look at those results as a gauge of where we are now isn't necessarily accurate. You know, I don't know if that makes sense to you. Well, t- I, uh, tell me more. Because I, 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 cause I, I know that I think of my, my life as a result of every decision I've ever made. Right. Okay. So, right. so bring that into what, okay. what's today and tomorrow. Well, for instance, everything that's in your life today is a result of something that you did yesterday or the day before or the day before. So let's say, um, you know, let's, okay, you're coaching. So let's say that, you know, recently that you've set the goal that you want to be the top coach in the New York area or in the nation or something like that, Mm -hmm. and you just set that goal for yourself yesterday. Well, you might wake up today and look at your life and say, well, I'm nowhere near that goal. And so it might be disparaging for you. 
instead of recognizing and saying, well, wait a second, I just set that goal not too long ago, and so I'm only just now taking actions for that goal. And sometimes that's what happens is people look at what's in their life right now and saying, well, how am I ever going to get there because nothing in my life is showing me that I'm moving in that direction. It's kind of like looking in the rearview mirror and trying to drive your car that way. Uh, because everything that we have only shows up, you know, like sometimes we have immediate results, but like I said, the choices that you made yesterday are what got you to where your life is today. So you have to, like, believe in yourself and trust that, okay, I'm making good choices today that are leading my life in the direction that I want to go. For instance, I guess the example I give is I know that when I made the choice to move from business and to get more into the arts and into coaching and things like that, some days it felt very much like I was trying to turn the Titanic around <laughs> because mm. I wasn't really seeing as much progress as I would have liked. And I realized, well, wait a second, you know, I've been living my life for, you know, say 10 years in this way, and I've only been living my life for, you know, half a year in this new way. So, of course, I'm still going to be seeing results from, you know, last year, last week, you know, five years ago. And, and so you have to give it time to marinate and trust that it's coming to you. And I think sometimes that's, that's the thing that I admire about people who really persevere is the fact that they trust that, that, you know, with somebody like Sinatra or, you know, Taylor Swift or, you know, what you're saying about Tim McGraw's father or whatever, that you just, they see that vision so clearly in their head that they see it more than whatever the results are that are showing up in their life right now. They see what the results are going to be tomorrow and next week and the week after. Absolutely. So guess what, Susan? Yes, Andrew. We're down to our last few minutes on the show. We are. Well, it certainly has been a pleasure speaking with you, and I certainly have been uh, honored to be on your program for sure. Oh, it's been great to have you on as well. So, so I, I want to make sure right now you let everyone know how can they reach you, find you, what's up with Susan Stackpole. Uh, the best way to, to reach me is my website, uh, www.susanstackpole.com, and that's S-U-S-A-N-S-T as in Tom, A-C-K-P as in Paul, O-L-E. Uh, there's a contact page on there, and I, I love to connect with people uh, if they're interested in coaching or, uh, you know, to have me come speak at an event or anything like that. I certainly, or just if they've, you know, heard the program, I would love to, you know, love their feedback and love to connect with them. They can also find me on Facebook as well. That's where I do a lot of my professional social networking. Do you have a uh, fan page on uh, Facebook? I, I have a fan page, and I also have a, a, uh, a business page on there as well. So they can connect with me either as a friend or a fan. I'd love to have them. Oh, excellent. Are, are you on Twitter? I am on Twitter. I'm on Twitter.com, uh, Susan Stackpole. Uh, nice and straightforward. Not no, 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 <laughs> no, no name that we'd never guess it was you. Right, absolutely. I did that when I was in college. I, I had gone to Duquesne University, and my email address for a while was D-U-Q, and then I had a number after that. I don't remember what it was, and it was so confusing for people. So I've learned being straightforward and true, that's the best way to go. Nice, and an easy name to remember, Susan Stackpole. So thank you very much, Susan, for being on my show today. And everyone, uh, tune in next week. Uh, my name, again, is Andrew Poretz with Ingenuity Coaching, and you can find me at www.myfuturecoach.com, on Twitter at twitter.com slash coachandrew, and on Facebook at facebook, facebook.com slash andrewporetz. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you next week. Good night. <laughs>